Sorry, Jesus just walked in, so I got, I got excited, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful to see you. It's wonderful to see you. The peace of Christ be with you. Let's give ourselves the gift of slowing down and taking about three deep breaths so we could recognize the Spirit in us, among us, within us. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. Please rise and body our spirit for the call to worship. Shout out, but do not hold back. Revere truth more than all of practice. Loose the bonds of injustice. Form the bonds of fellowship and can care. Let your light shine. Flavor the world and preserve the good. You may be seated. Welcome. Welcome to Westminster. It's good to be worshiping with you today, especially if you're visiting. I want to offer a warm welcome to you. After worship, you're invited um, out into our Finley Hall for some coffee and tea and some snacks. If you don't know where that is, it's just right out these sanctuary doors and to the left. A chance to get to know each other, perhaps have a conversation with someone you haven't yet met. Let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. Light within all light, presence at the heart of experience. You call us to bring your essence into our lives and the world in which we live. You also call us to look for you already at work in the world around us and in those we encounter. Forgive us for forgetting our calling to be salt of the earth or to let our light shine. Forgive us if we have instead been too presumptuous about our own light and too dim in recognizing the light of others. Teach us to be grateful, daring, and humble. Amen.
Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, as God's children wrapped in God's embrace, know that we are forgiven and free. Know that through the power of the Spirit, we are made new each and every day. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now is the time, as we continue with our time of prayer, that you are invited to share with us the joys and concerns that are on your heart today so that we may be in prayer together. Barb, you have one? Amen. Prayers for Steve Dennison, who's with his um, almost 100-year-old mother, whose health is now failing, and he requests uh, peace as she nears the end of her life. Others? Oh, my goodness, a bunch. Jim. Friend Jose, who has been struggling with long COVID and now has found that he has a brain anomaly, is going to need brain surgery. Prayers for Jose. Joe? Absolutely. So Joe's closest childhood friend just died yesterday. Uh, it was a couple of strokes following surgery. So prayers for family and friends and you, all who knew and loved her. Yeah. Andy. So continuing prayers for her brother-in-law suffering from cancer and then cousin-in-law? cousin-in-law who had open-heart surgery this week and is now healing, yeah. Jim. Uh, I have a joy. Uh, do you know I'm married to Martha Yes. <laughs> Was that the end of your sentence? Your joy is that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jim offering a joy that he and Martha were able to hear the St. Olaf Choir at Grace Cathedral yesterday and just the beautiful musical experience that was. Yeah. Richard? So a joy that your family was able to celebrate the Lunar New Year. Sounds like it was a lot of fun. And then um, I know your whole family has really been struggling. Jesus's father-in-law is very sick, pretty advanced dementia. Um, and so prayers for all of you as you care for him. Anyone else? Yeah, Gwen. Absolutely. Prayers are with you, Lee, starting your next round of chemo tomorrow. Every time I check in with Lee and see how she's doing, she ends with, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to beat this. So we will be thinking about you tomorrow and in the weeks to come. Yeah. Let's have just a few moments of quiet, lots to hold in our hearts and our minds and our prayers, and then I'll lead us in the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray.
Loving God, maker of all that is beautiful, you are the wisdom within our hearts, the word who dwells among us, the light who shines within us, the spirit who calls us beyond ourselves. You have given us the seeds of your justice, your peace, and your joy. May we now be inspired to sow those seeds so that all may experience your grace. And hear us now, O God, as together we pray the prayer that your Son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I'd like to now invite any of the children who are worshiping with us to come join me here at the front. I have a little something to give you all, and then I'm hoping you'll join me. This is going to be a participatory time of discovery. So, Rob is, his sermon today, you'll be gone for it, but we're all going to hear it. Um, is about one of my favorite sayings of Jesus. He talks about being salt and being light. And one of the things that Jesus tells the people is, 
Let your light shine. Don't hide it under a bushel. Let it shine. Whenever I hear that, that passage, that story from Jesus, I think about one of my favorite songs, which is this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And so at the first service, I kept waiting for Rob to sing that song. <laughs> and he never did. <laughs> How? How can you preach a sermon on that great scripture passage and not sing that great song? I, I missed opportunity, I think. So, therefore... We're going to have to take it into our own hands, okay? So I let our light shine. We all have this God light in us, and we let it shine in so many different ways. And how we share our love, how we share our kindness, how we are in relationship with one another, how we treat one another, so many ways. How we appreciate other people's God light in them. So here's what we're going to do. I have a glow stick for each one of you. Yes. Yes, the question was, are we going to keep them and bring them home? And the answer is yes. So, yeah, I see some of you know how these work. So you got you to kind of crack them. The glow is not going to be super great because it's light, but you can sort of see them start to glow, right? See mine? You can see some glow there. Yeah, there we go. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to let these glow sticks inspire us and remind us of the light that is within each one of us. And then we're going to sing one of my most favorite songs. And if any of you out there know this song, you're welcome to sing too, okay? So it goes like this. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Lovely. They all knew that song. Excellent. So, your grandma's church sings that song. It's a classic. So, yes, keep these, take them home. They're not going to glow forever. The package told me they'll glow for about five hours. But use it as a reminder of the glow, the God glow, the God light inside of you, and how you might shine that in the world, how you might see it in others. Oh, if they stop glowing. You are full of tricks. I love it. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. I see Fred standing there. He's going to take those of you who are in second grade or younger to Sunday school. And then Randy and I, if you're in third grade or older, are going to take you to Sunday school. All right, here we go. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere everywhere you may go oh the first reading is uh, from the prophet isaiah chapter 58 verses 1 through 12. listen for what the spirit is saying to the church shout out but do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion to the house of Jacob, their sins. Yet day after day, they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask me of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover them, 
and not to hide yourself from your own kin. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. So the moral of the story is if one is perhaps needlessly insecure about their own singing ability, they can manipulate their associate into leading the song on their behalf (laughs) during the time of discovery, mission accomplished. The second reading comes from Matthew's Gospel, the fifth chapter, verses 13 to 20. This is a portion of the Sermon on the Mount. And you can imagine that Jesus had the words of the prophets like Isaiah on his heart, words that you just heard when he preached this. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but it's thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one comes after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law, or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. She could never quite get her 13-year-old son to show any interest in church. She'd been bringing him to church his whole life. He even attended a Christian school for a couple of years, but it just never quite took. When he came out as gay, they knew they needed to leave the current church they were in because it was not accepting or affirming of LGBTQ persons. So they left and they found another congregation that was welcoming, even though the wider denomination of that particular church was not accepting. It was a good home. The time came for that particular denomination, this was 2019, to vote on whether or not to ordain gay and lesbian pastors and whether or not to affirm and allow uh, pastors to officiate at same-sex weddings. And that local church gathered at their building to await the vote of the national body. And mother and son showed up dutifully, anticipating defeat, and expecting a tone of mourning. They were right. 
and they were wrong. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a, an old friend of mine, and he was sharing about how his, in his particular church, that issue was causing a lot of division and, and tension, even leading to some people leaving the congregation. From time to time, you hear a certain fatigue that sets in among people in churches of all the issues that are out there and driving wedges among us, infiltrating here and having the same impact. And what tends to happen is people experience or are aware of the dwindling participation in religious life in this country, which is undeniable, and it's felt broadly across traditions and across the spectrum. The temptation is to want to kind of pull back and check out and take your hands off and just get away from it all and not weigh in on any of it, lest we lose somebody. Do whatever we can at all costs to avoid offending somebody. And it's a perfectly understandable impulse. Right? We feel the scarcity creeping in and we don't want to lose someone. I understand why folks do that. Lord knows toxicity and vitriol and uh, outrage, some deserved and some undeserved, personal attacks. They've infiltrated every seeming space we have in society, right? You just feel it everywhere you go. And Lord knows we all need a place where we can come and just exile, exhale. <laughs> exile, that's interesting. <laughs> feel like that sometimes, right? Like we're exiles. Just exhale and know that we're safe and it's not going to happen here and we can be comfortable. The church should be a refuge. I agree with that. I believe that. A safe space. Jesus did say, Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Hmm. Who needs some rest? So I affirm that instinct in people and that place in the church's calling. The thing is, it's not the only thing Jesus said. He also said, be salty. I mean, okay, he didn't say it that way. But he said, you are the salt of the world. You're called to give a little flavor, to add a little spice to things. You're not called to this kind of blandness that's only function is to not offend every palate. You're not even called to a kind blandness. You're called to be salt, to add some taste to things, to create some kind of reaction. That's part of the church's calling, too. You see, Jesus would have had in his consciousness and uh, on his heart the teachings of the prophets, prophets such as Isaiah. And what did Isaiah say? Not be quiet, but shout out. Not shout at. Shout out. Don't hold back. Announce to the people their rebellion. That does not sound like comfort food. But it is nourishing food. It is sustenance because it will help them be healthy as a people. And it is loving because it's not simply about attacking. It's not throwing salt on a wound. It's throwing salt on some food to make it actually nourishing to help them become a better people. Isaiah, like Jesus would later do, calls out hollow religious observance. You make your fast days about yourselves while you're at the same time oppressing all your workers. That's not faithful. That's not religious observance. This is the fast that I choose, Isaiah says, to loose the bonds of injustice, to let the oppressed go free, to break the yoke. That's what it means to worship. Christians in churches not being quiet on any number of issues is not the church getting out of its lane. It's the church following Jesus. 
and the prophets that Jesus followed. Because completely refusing to go there, there being anywhere, there's no resemblance to Jesus who went everywhere. You're the salt of the world. And if salt loses its taste, loses its saltiness, what good is it? Just throw it out. It has no purpose anymore. You're the salt of the world. Are my pages out of order? Good God. <laughs> Some churches have confused this in both directions. Some have confused uh, throwing salt into the world with throwing gasoline on a fire and spewed hatred or riled people up for no productive purpose. And others have just decided they don't want anything to do with it at all and been entirely quiet and not offered salt of any meaning. Because in addition to providing taste, what else does salt do? Play with the metaphor. I heard it. It preserves. Jesus is asking to offer some spice to the world, but the kind that actually preserves something meaningful that can sustain the people, that can help them last and endure in a good and healthy way. So it's not just saying any old thing. It's saying the right kinds of things and doing the right kinds of things. Jesus then shifts metaphors. You're also the light of the world. No one takes a light, especially a light given by God, and puts it under a basket where just a, an occasional beam gets out there enough to feel good. No, no, no. You put it on a lampstand for everyone to see. Now, thankfully, traditions such as this one have done a, a good bit of work. Uh, looking at their history and how they've shined the light sometimes directly into people's eyeballs in a way that's blinded them or otherwise hurt them or overshadowed their light. We've done work recognizing where we've done harm, assuming ours is the only light in town and nobody has anything else to offer. We've done work recognizing how uh, beautiful images like a city on a hill can be perverted into things like uh, the Christian nationalism or American exceptionalism, neither of which has anything to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad we've done that kind of work and need to keep doing it of self-critique and evaluation. It's important. But if all we have to offer the world is an apology who, for who we've been, then what's the point? If we think we have nothing to offer, or a better way of saying it, that God or God in Christ has nothing to offer through us, why are we here? It's not for the coffee. The coffee's gotten better. <laughs> Can we not uh, say that? Oh, thank you, Clark, for illustrating. Uh, <laughs> can we not say we have something, that Christ has something to offer the world still? The kinds of things that the prophets talked about, that he preaches about in this sermon letting the oppressed go free, justice for the poor and the marginalized, the beaten down, siding with the vulnerable and the weak, nonviolence, the work for peace. We don't believe we have anything to offer the world. Why bother? Why are we getting together? Why are we here? What are we about? It's not about us going out enforcing our agenda or my agenda on the world. No, Jesus offers us a helpful way to avoid that all-too-easy trap to fall into. Jesus remains deeply connected to something beyond himself or connected to his cosmic self. He's a branch, but he's connected to the trunk. We can remain connected. He doesn't sever himself from a tradition or a community. He says, don't you think that I've come to abolish the law, his tradition? I've not come to wipe out a single jot or tittle of the law. I've come to fulfill it. This is not entirely new. This is rooted in an eternal tradition of wisdom. I'm not going out on a limb. I am a limb. And that's what holds us to account as well. 
We're not propagating our own gospels. We're propagating the gospel that's been gifted to us. We too stay tethered, stay connected. Even as we dare to speak out and to stand up. But what if we don't agree on what to say or what to do? What if we have different opinions about how, it, how to address certain ills? What if we disagree on what the ills are altogether? Heaven forbid. Well, welcome to being a human. We've been disagreeing since the beginning. All of Paul's letters are about early church arguments, so we have a long tradition on which we, should, we can build on proudly of disagreeing with one another. Can we not be adults? Can we not have an inkling of spiritual maturity and, and, and disagree with one another and deliberate prayerfully, asking the Spirit to be at the center of our deliberations and our disagreements? Recognizing that that's how anything happens and come to decisions and heaven forbid, maybe not even unanimous decisions, but stay in relationship. If our bonds are so fragile that we can't disagree on something and stay in relationship, we know nothing about the bond of Christ that we claim holds us together. We know nothing if it's that fragile. We can't wrestle. Israel means to wrestle. That's our inheritance. So we can disagree and still move forward and stand up. What if we get it wrong? It raises all kinds of questions. Well, we will get it wrong. From time to time, we will get it wrong. If you don't want to get it wrong, then don't ever do anything. But then we can be corrected, and we can correct one another, and we can allow ourselves to be corrected. Well... What if some people don't like it? What if we wrestle and we d disagree and we get it wrong and then we finally think we've gotten it right and then some people don't like it? What if they leave? What if it pushes someone away? Well, we never want that to happen. We would never seek that out. You would never want somebody to feel unwelcome in a house of prayer and a spiritual community. What a loss that would be. But it happens. It does happen. It's never our goal, but it sometimes is a byproduct of trying to be faithful. One of my favorite lines in the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church, I know you think I've got a long list of these. I'm sure you do as well. It's right on the cover of your bulletin. It's from the Book of Order, which is half of our Constitution. It says this, the church is to be a community of faith entrusting itself to God alone, even at the risk of losing its own life. Now, I know the front part of that seems very non-controversial. Of course we trust ourselves to God alone. But even the risk of losing its own life. Do you know what birthed that statement? It was the realization of the denomination a decade or so ago that like every other movement in this country, religiously, we were losing people. Mainly people were dying and not enough were being born into the tradition. It wasn't that they were fleeing. And we wanted to be clear that in response to that reality, we weren't going to simply close up and be afraid and retreat and hide and do everything we can just not to offend lest we lose someone. It was the church's way of saying your calling is still to be faithful. You have to be faithful even at the risk of losing your own life as a congregation. Because there are worse things than death. Like the loss of integrity. Like being too afraid to stand up and to stand with and to speak out. To shout out, not shout at. That's worse than closing your doors. That's selling your soul. And the church says we're made for better than that. And incidentally, sitting on the sidelines sometimes pushes people away too. Because they sense it. They sense we're not about anything. And so they say, why should I waste my time? Mother and 13-year-old were, were right. The vote went against inclusion in that denomination, which still wrestles with that today. They were wrong that the tone they would experience when the congregation gathered was going to be one of mourning and defeatism. It was anything but. The pastor addressed the, the gathered church and said, 
This is the beginning of the process. This is not the end. We will keep working for inclusion, not because it's our agenda, but because humbly we believe it is the agenda of the Christ who was always pushing the boundaries out. We believe that's the most faithful manifestation of the church, and we will continue to work for that. And so the victory is coming. It's just not here yet. And we'll continue to work and to speak out and to stand up and to be with around that divisive issue. And it was at that moment, at that moment, that that 13-year-old who was previously uninterested in church turned to his mother and said, I want to be a part of this. That should tell us something. Amen.
You may be seated. As we come to the time to share in the Lord's Supper together, a reminder that all are welcome, all are invited to come to the table. When the time comes, the ushers will guide you down the center aisle, take a piece of bread from the plate, dip it lightly in the cup, and then you can partake of both of the elements together. In the center will be a plate of uh, gluten-free crackers, if that is important to you. And then you can return to your seats by the side aisle. Rob and I will be here at the front if you desire a time of additional prayer. We will be here for that. And we often like to sing as we celebrate communion, so there are some hymns listed in your bulletin. You're welcome to join in the singing. Now, Jesus invites us to come to the table in peace. So I invite you, as you are comfortable, to share the peace of Christ with one another. We are told that they will come from north and south and east and west to sit together at this table, which we can understand on so many levels from north and south, from east and west. And why? Because they know that when we gather in community, when we invite the Spirit's presence, when we partake of these elements, it tastes good. So come. Will you join me? God be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to God. Let us pray. Creating God, we give thanks that you brought this world and all of creation into being, breathing life into us. You show yourself in each face we encounter, each and all created in your image. You taught us how to serve you and how to honor one another. To bring us into relationship with you, you sent us prophets and teachers. And we offer thanks that when we ignored your embrace, you persisted in reaching out to us. We thank you most for the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection taught us that nothing, nothing can separate us from you. So hear us now as we join with all the angels and saints of heaven and earth to lift our voices in praise. Dear friends, on the night of his arrest, Jesus took bread and after giving thanks, he blessed it and broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is sealed in my blood. It is poured out for you and for many, for all for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it, he said, remembering me. This is the feast of God for the people of God. Come, for all things are now ready. 
hymn 503.
Let us pray. Holy One, having encountered you in these elements, send us out to encounter you in all the elements of the world, that we might recognize the divine presence infused in all that is and learn to respond accordingly. Help us, O oh God, in humility and courage to live into the calling that the Christ beckons us with. We pray these things in all things in his precious name. Amen. As we move into a time of sharing announcements in the church, I want to begin with a special word, a word that you will hear repeated a few times with slightly different words over the coming weeks, though not every week. I spoke about it a little bit at the annual meeting last week, but if you weren't here, it will be new to you, so I'll back up a little bit. We are at a critical stretch. Gratefully, I say the home stretch of a long race that's been run by this congregation to shore up our church, to expand it, that it might meet our growing needs. And so years ago, leaders of this congregation started carefully planning, fundraising diligently and fervently to support a renovation and expansion project. And when we came to another critical point years ago, we realized that the building we prayed and believed that God wanted us to have was going to cost more than we had. And we made a choice, deliberating, to press on because it was what we needed to do this ministry in this corner of the world. And so the congregation voted, not just the elders, but the congregation voted to take on a million dollars of debt for a three and a half million dollar project knowing that at some point we'd have to circle back and attend to that outstanding payment, lest it become a burden on our annual budget. And we are at that now critical moment, a moment at which in this year our loans will be converted, they'll become amortized. I know what some of those words mean, not entirely, as well as the rest of you do. But if we don't do anything, then we will start to experience $60,000, $70,000 more a year of payments just to service the debt instead of serving this community. Did you know, for example, that when we rent out the space, which we are increasingly doing now, that we have a space that's, that people would want, uh, thanks to folks such as Aaron Elliott and others who've helped us use this space to bless the community. But now, every time we rent it out, because we have debt, we have to pay a, a tax fee on that. But the moment that's wiped off our books, that goes away. And so every bit of income we might get from renting the facility can go into the ministry of the church. It's just one example of why it's important to attend to this. So we have an exigency and an opportunity to free ourselves of that burden and to go into the next chapter of this church's exciting ministry. So this is part of the plan, not a deviation from the plan, and it's a golden opportunity. Our original goal for this campaign was $750,000, a challenge goal. We had $1.1 million of debt at the outset, but we knew that that was a tall order. So our challenge goal is $750,000. Our stretch goal is $1.1 million. To date, at the conclusion of a quiet phase of that campaign, we have raised approximately $770,000 already. We've already surpassed the challenge goal. Thanks be to God, as Ruthie where'd she go? reminded us to say. Oh, thank you. How lovely to see you actually getting to spend time with your husband during the service. <laughs> you, thanks be to God, in your faithfulness and your generosity, we've already surpassed that initial goal. So now, now we have the chance to do it all. To do it all that we might be free from it all. And so now is the moment we're inviting everybody to join in. To join in. And, and it's clear if everybody does their part, and we recognize everybody has a different kind of part they can do if you catch my drift. But if everybody does their part, we can get there. We can get there together, which will not only sustain our current ministries, but free us to explore new ways of doing ministry in a post 
post-pandemic world. So in the coming weeks, you'll hear from people who've generously already pledged their support of that campaign. You'll receive a mailing asking you just to join in, just to do your piece. Amanda Stevens was here at the 830 service. She's been our chairperson of this, of this effort since the summer. And when we enticed her to do that, we, I think, promised her a co-chair. She does not yet have a co-chair. So I decided an hour ago that the entire congregation will be her co-chair. <laughs> We're all in this together, friends. So you'll be invited to join in. You'll hear from fellow members about why they're supporting and receive an invitation for you. And all we ask you to do is in prayer continue, uh, ask God's help in discernment about what you can do to join in this effort as one faithful body of Christ. And with that, our closing hymn is number 773. Oh, wait, any more announcements? I'm sorry, I got carried away. I forgot we have more announcements. Talk about Ukraine. Well, y'all can read. I just want to highlight the two coming up this Thank week. Thank you. Today, 3.30, a great program by our Westminster events team about Ukraine humanitarian efforts. Come back at 3.30. And then a wow luncheon this Wednesday at 11. So join in. Got a lot of stuff happening. All right, now, 7.73. Jesus is Lord, and he is married word and action. Let us honor the sanctity of that marriage. And as we go from this place, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, whose father and mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with us this day and every day. Amen.